0: Strong men aren't born. They are formed out of the struggles and the storms that they can overcome. My conversation today is with Bill Harris. Bill Harris is a Navy veteran of over two decades, and Bill's going to share how spending half of his career in combat situations as a Navy medic in some of the most dangerous territories in our planet shaped his understanding of what it meant to be a strong, powerful man. That's probably not what you expect. Bill says that a guy who's willing to be the most vulnerable, the most honest, and the most forthcoming about who he is, where he is, in relation to what's going on, tends to be the most powerful man in the room. I love that quote from Bill. You are going to get so much out of this conversation, and this conversation is going to prove to you that whatever your story, your past does not dictate your future. Learn from Bill's story, relate to it, be inspired, and follow his lead. This 2023, it's time to unleash a stronger, more powerful you. My conversation with Bill Harris starts right now. You are listening to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, the number one podcast for men driven to live a life of significance. Men who want to make a difference in the lives of their families, in their business, and in the world around them. My name is Cam Hall, founder of Fight the Dabot and leader of the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now, let's dive in. Hello, my friend. Welcome to this episode of the Dads Making a Difference podcast. My name is Cam Hall. I'm your host and founder of the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind. And I'm grateful for you. I'm glad that you're here today. Thank you for listening. If this is the first time that you are listening to our podcast, welcome. Glad that you're here. And if you are returning, hey, I appreciate you. I appreciate you liking and subscribing and sharing these episodes. And I'm going to guarantee that today you will not be disappointed. For my guest today is Bill Harris. Bill is a Navy veteran of over two decades. Bill served multiple combat missions in the Middle East. He served eight years alongside the U.S. Marines and seven years as the Senior Assault Squadron Medic at Naval Special Warfare Development Group. He's worked alongside the Navy SEALs and has had some incredible uh, traumatic, intense amazing experiences in his career. And it would have been really easy for me to get on this episode today and in this conversation and prep for this interview just to ask Bill to tell us stories, to tell us stories of what he's been through, to tell us stories about his past and how he got to where he is today and to really dive into some of those combat experiences. But there's more to our conversation today because when Bill left, his military service, Bill suffered from severe bouts of PTSD and crippling anxiety. So today, Bill's passion is helping veterans, first responders, and men who have had traumatic pasts at overcoming and triumphing and thriving in their life. Bill is the founder of the Turn 2 Project and hosts Man Camp, where he brings men together to overcome and build community. Bill is a father of three amazing boys and husband of over 31 years. He's worked with corporate partners, Fortune 500 companies, military agencies, universities, the CIA, and the list goes on and on. I'm excited for you to dive into this conversation about becoming a powerful, stronger man. And it's not going to be what you would expect from an ex-Navy medic who's worked alongside the Navy SEALs in 10 years of combat. He is an amazing guy. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. So let's get to it. Here is my conversation with Bill Harris. Bill Harris, good to see you, brother. Welcome to the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. Good to talk to you today.
1: Man, it's great to be here. Thank you for having
0: me. Man, since we were able to connect, you know, a week or so ago, I've been looking forward to this as I often do with the guys who come on. And I was like, man, here's another rock solid man just looking to to make an impact and make a difference in the lives of others. And I think a good place to start, Bill, would be I shared a little bit in the intro about you, but to start with your story, because your story isn't like a lot of stories, isn't like the story of a lot of men who come on here, isn't like a lot of the men that I've met for sure. So why don't you tell us a little about who you are, how you grew up, and then how life led you into maybe military service and how you got to where you are today? Sure,
1: uh, and it's interesting you say that because I I agree and disagree with that statement. I I think I think my story may have a lot of uniqueness, but I think my story is a lot like everyone else's. You know, okay, okay, uh, a lot of struggle, um, a lot of learning, and a lot of you know, sort of what you're dedicated to, just trying to be better. You know, trying to be better than a former version of myself. But uh, you know, that said, I I grew up uh, in Brooklyn, New York. I grew up a son of a New York City firefighter. Um, you know, it's typical childhood. Uh, sports, you know, was probably the, you know, was, was all I cared about. Uh, I wasn't a very good student. I wasn't, uh, uh, I was the oldest of three siblings and all I want to do is run around the street, play wiffle ball and football and hockey and, you know, whatever, whatever else uh, basketball whatever we get our hands on. Um, we probably for me, when I think about the significant or impactful things in my life, my senior year of high school, my dad was injured and retired from fire service and we moved to Pennsylvania. Um, and looking back, that that had a pretty significant impact because I went from you know living in Brooklyn, New York, being a city kid, to um, living uh, you know in 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 the Pocono Mountains in the country, in the woods where there were deer, and kids on the school bus were dipping tobacco. And I I literally felt like I landed on another planet. Hmm. Um, and it was yeah. it was interesting because a lot of the things that frightened me about living there um now as an adult are things that i'm i'm really endeared to right like I, I i'm all about guns and hunting and woods and quiet and you know all the all the things that i, I didn't understand frankly and i had never been exposed to
0: um the quiet I, for sure
1: yeah and so um i went to college up there um i wasn't very good at college up there <laughs> um I, I played a little bit of baseball um i i, I did you know probably. Uh, more drinking of beer and, and hanging out than I did uh, studying um so my college career ended pretty abruptly um and I I was blessed enough to have um, met a woman um that you know fast forward 35 years later we're still together um you know she's blessed me with with three boys um and we um you mentioned my military service we you know unlike most of my counterparts most of my friends we joined the navy together right Oh, most wow. of the guys and gals I served with, they, they sort of were young and came in service and then, uh, yeah. you know, gathered a spouse along the way. But, you know, this is this is something that we had decided um, to do. Um, and so we, you know, I went away for a little bit, did the boot camp thing. And then um, we spent most of my military career. I joined the Navy. I did 20, 21 years of active duty. We did. Let me rephrase that. 21 years of active duty. Um, and almost all of that, we were kind of home-based in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Okay. Um, so it wasn't, was driving distance from her family and my family in Pennsylvania. And in fact, most of them migrated down, you know, once grandbabies show up, grandparents tend to follow pretty quickly. Um, um, I, I did a little bit of overseas time. I spent some time in Iceland. Um, I was fortunate to have been what's called a hospital corpsman in the Navy, and that's essentially a combat medic. Um, didn't really know what I wanted to do. My dad had spent a few years in the Navy. So he, he was helpful in helping me guide, you know, navigate me through some of that. Um, and it turned out to be, you know, one of the biggest blessings in my life. And clearly, you know, now looking back retrospectively, it's absolutely one of the things God put me on this earth to do. You know what I mean? I, I was called to service and I was called to do that. And, and, uh, you know, I still, I'm still a medic. I'm still an active medic. Um, most of my time now is spent teaching. So, yeah. um, Another nicety about the Navy is there's a lot of, there's a lot of ability to see and do different things and work in different areas. And, uh, being in medicine gave me a little more leverage to do that. So I was really blessed to have seen a little bit of all the different parts of the Navy. I spent about eight, eight of my years on the Marine Corps side, you know, in a whole different service, you know, which I have, you know, the Marine Corps is near and dear to my heart. Um, I spent a little bit of time in an aviation squadron with fighter pilots. I spent three years on board a ship, um, I tell people all the time I'm on the best ship in the Navy right now, citizenship.
0: <laughs> um,
1: and then the, you know, the back portion of my career, the last seven, almost eight years uh, I spent with SEAL teams. I spent, you know, at, an, at a, 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 you know, a special mission unit, a tier one command Naval special warfare development group, um, very, very elite team. I was very privileged to even had an opportunity to have screened and had the opportunity to go work there. And, um, you know, there's still, I'm still growing as an adult, and I'm still sort of reflecting on my time there. And there's still things I'm learning, just having the opportunity to work around other men and women who really are the you know the top one percent of their field. So,
0: yeah, incredible. Um,
1: you know, and in in that back end, a whole lot of trips to Iraq and Afghanistan, a whole lot of combat. Um, my career, my career was split dead in half. The first ten years of it were peacetime military, and I I sort of grew up thinking that my whole career would be just training for a job I'd never really get to do. Um, and then I was mistaken. We've had 18 plus years of sustained combat. And then the back half of it was the exact opposite. You know what I mean? It was far less time at home and far more time, you know, in, in every climb and place, chasing down, um, you know, people who intend to take away our freedoms and do us harm.
0: Yeah. Wow. I want to, Can we go back for a moment? I have a question about when you decided to join the Navy and you said, we, you and your wife both decided. I'm interested in, you know, my wife and I have conversations about date night and maybe starting a business together, you know, but starting in at that time, you know, different point in your life, of course. But what does that conversation look like? With you and her to say, yeah, let's join the military. Let's join the Navy together.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I, you know, I, people say all the time, it's one of the most, one of the more common things you'll hear people say is thank you for your service. And it tends to make veterans very uncomfortable because we're not sure how to respond for that to that. Yeah. um And I, and I've gotten a little more comfortable with that. And I know now my standard response is thanks for your support. You know, um, I, I don't, and, the, and the, the reason that question particularly made me feel uncomfortable because it wasn't, it wasn't obviously now looking at it I felt called to serve I felt as though I wanted to be tethered to something bigger I felt as though there was something else out there for me um but in in truth and in fairness another significant component of was I was a young guy without a lot of marketable skills who had uh, washed out of college and I at that point uh, I had had a wife and a stepson my right. wife had had a son you know and so I had responsibilities and so for me it it was a uh, it was intriguing. I had had some family history of folks who had served. And so, you know, as much as I want to say, you know, there are a lot of guys who will come on now and, you know, that are younger than me and say, hey, 9-11 happened and the bell rang and I answered the call. Yeah. You know what I mean? So for me, I, I did feel a call to service, but I also, you know, I knew it would be a good way to put food on the table and to, to get a marketable skill moving forward. I, did, I didn't think I'd that we'd sign up for 20 plus years.
0: Yeah. That was going to be my next question. Did you think that yeah. you'd be in it for two two plus decades? No. No.
1: No. And, and I think most people don't, you know, most people, number one, it's, it's a very foreign concept.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: you know, unless you have somebody really close to you, obviously my dad served, but that was long before I existed, you know? So, so I didn't have a lot of exposure to it um, and and what it really meant. You know what I mean? You'd, you'd see it in movies and television and maybe you had, you know, crazy uncle Bob or something that had served, you know, Yeah. But I, but I didn't, I didn't really know much about it. You know what I mean? I didn't. Um, and so I, I think for a lot of young people, and, and now having been overseas and been exposed to other cultures where uh, service is mandatory for them,
0: right?
1: I think there's a lot of value um, if you're struggling um, or if you're sort of looking for guidance. Um, and the other thing I, I think that it helps with, if, if you're the type of person who's struggling with self-discipline, you don't have a lot of self-discipline, that's a place where someone else will have the discipline for you. You know, and so for the younger guys or gals that you know that do four years or so, and then we start having candid conversations about what the rest of their life looks like. Um, when you're in a leadership position, the expectation is to try to hold on to them, especially if if they're you know if they're a valuable asset, right? We've invested in this person, and it behooves us to keep them. Um, but those conversations, from my perspective, were always, you know, almost from a parenting perspective, asking the young person, "Hey, listen, did you get what you came for?" You know what I mean? Have you gotten the self-discipline? Right. Are, you, are you in a place where you can move forward with a plan on your life? And you can generally tell by what they what their answers are to some of those questions. You know, the, the ones that say, well, I'm going to go home and I'm going to go work for my uncle and make $97 an hour. And like, okay, like that's your plan. Like, how did you end up here to begin with? That was, that? Right. you know, and then you check the other ones. Hey, I'm already enrolled in school or, hey, I'm already, you know, they're fast tracking. And, and for them, in fact, I've got a nephew who just got out of the Marine Corps um, Monday. Okay. He just finished his 5 years he did yeah. you know one combat tour one overseas tour and when i spoke to him he's like yeah i absolutely got what i came for right yeah. i served i learned a lot about myself and i'm a semi grown man now heading home you know ready to you know and i and i think that's a that's a different person going home than the You know, the 18-year-old that gets in the car and you drop off at a university for the first time. And for the first time, they're sort of on their own and and the hope is that they make it, you
0: know? Yeah. Can I ask you, you you mentioned that your career was split dead half, you know, in peacekeeping time and then in combat. And so in active, I don't want to say active duty, but wrong term. But, you know, I'm curious. You were in it for over 20 years. If that first half ended up being the consistency would you i you're a driven guy who's like you seem to be a guy who i think about action about like moving forward about taking the next step about continuing to grow if it continued to be how it was the first 10 years would you you've still been in for 20 plus years
1: yeah that i mean it's really hard to answer You know, I want to say yes, right. Once nine yeah. eleven happened, the whole yeah. entire paradigm shifted. You know what I mean? Like right. so I was going nowhere at that point. But right. um I you know, the the being driven piece, there's an opportunity to stay in and still work toward that, right? Because right. in the beginning you're driven toward promotions and and that that comes with pay raises and you know just like if you were in a corporate structure right you're you're driven for the bigger office you're driven for the next job you're driven to be that department head or that you know section leader or whatever that is so so some of that is is naturally occurring along that process and for like the blueprint the way that the blueprint was set up for me right around the time when that conflict started i started to get Near the top of of as high as I could go from a rank perspective, and for most folks, their perspective on the back end of their career is okay. Let me set, start investing in myself and setting myself up for my second career. Right. You know what I mean? Let me start finishing my degree. Let me start figuring out what are the things I'm going to need to be successful. Um, because for most of us, our retirement is not that you know. it's Retirement's the wrong word for it. You're just no longer in service. Um, I, I can't. I can't. You know provide for my family on my retirement alone. And that, yeah. that's okay um, because that's the arrangement that I made ahead of time. So, so I thought that back half would be, Hey, I'm going to knock out my degree and I'm going to you know, set myself up and figure out where I'll end up next. And it didn't quite turn out that way.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned now you're passionate about teaching. It's you're passionate about teaching others. And you alluded to connecting with, you know, these young service members who are maybe coming in or out the first, you know, five years of their career. Um, But those who teach what I've learned and coming from an educational perspective, those who teach and teach well are those Mm -hmm. who've learned along the way to stand on top of their failures and their mistakes and not be buried by them. Uh, What did your time in the military, in the Navy teach you about yourself that you're now eager to share with others?
1: yeah that's i mean that's a terrific question i i think i think for me there's there's two answers the first answer is when i first started teaching i was teaching medicine right and a lot of the the medicine and how we take care of someone that's that's injured or someone that's shot or blown up um that has changed exponentially over the last 20 years you know in 20 years of combat will will improve things um it's it's an unfortunate and costly way um for for process improvement but so, so I think in the beginning, what I was teaching were the mistakes that I made, some of the ways I was trained, some of the things that I went and tried to implement that didn't work. Mm-hmm. And immediately everybody had the same conclusion, like, wow, this isn't the best way to do business. So I've got to share this. I owe this to other people who are going to kind of run into the same problems I ran into. Um, this, The second portion of that question is is sort of my post-military struggle. You know what I mean? That sort of all of the things that, that happened... You know when you start transitioning out. And so when I, when I really, um, when my PTSD was bad, when I sort of hit a mental health crisis in conjunction with a lot of other things, in working through that and out of that, I learned a lot of things. And one of the things I learned is that transition process wasn't great. You know what I mean? There are so many other folks who are still coming behind us that are going, they have no idea of the struggles that lie ahead. You know what I mean? And, and I think in, in fairness that's not exclusive to to veterans right that's you know what I mean as as you get older as a man I think you know you're once you've been married 10 15 years you have a little bit more authority to speak to someone who's a newlywed, right you have
0: right.
1: you know you're like hey these are probably some of the, f- the problems you're going to face or as a, or as a dad right which is mm-hmm. probably more appropriate for this podcast you know as as you you screw up on the first couple you get better on the back <laughs> you're, yeah. you know or like to think you've learned some lessons along the way so
0: and you feel that you're almost put into a mentorship position uh, where I, I've had this, you know, I'm, you know, you get to a certain age, you know, middle age, people call it, you know, I, or I work in a high school. Kids think I'm ancient. I'm only 42 years old. <laughs> and I think that's still young. Um, but you see, I see young adults, mid-20s, stepping into a career that, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and they don't know what. And I, and I feel that you're called to mentor to them. To them. I see young men that I coach in basketball and I feel that like I'm called to mentor them. And so I I can relate to what you're saying about seeing these others who are embarking on a path and you feel that at this point say, Hey, listen, like now you're on this path, but when this path shifts and you step out of what you're doing now, this is what you need to be prepared for. Uh, do you mind? Yeah, I, I, I liken into that.
1: that yeah, I, I mean, I liken that to almost like there's a storm coming, right. And they're okay. almost oblivious to it. Right. You know and I mean, especially um, I've I spent a lot of time training first responders as well. So mm-hmm. so folks who've been exposed to trauma, folks folks who um typically haven't been prepared well or haven't had the luxury of even had had time to work through some of those problems. You know what I mean? So what tends to happen is in the go 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 spirit of things or in the spirit of what's the next job, what's the next mission, you don't you don't work through those traumas. You know what I mean? You just sort of put a lot of skeletons in a lot of closets. And I think because you you feel like you're thriving or because you're busy, um, I think what you don't realize is that at some point in your life, you're going to have to clean those closets out. At some point, those skeletons come knocking. So I think it's more that perspective of, hey, like, I don't, I don't think you know, I mean, you're, and, and there's some, you know, you're a little naive in that, and that's okay. But, you know, sort of wanting to give them the tools to be able to handle the problems before the problems arise, if that makes
0: sense. Right, and you you faced a lot of intense situations in your career, right? That there's no doubt about that. There's no one listening to this who doesn't believe that Bill went through some very intense con- in- situations. But it sounds like the transition out of those intense situations to the next stage of your life presented you with, you know, a lot of road roadblocks or speed bumps along the way. You talk about PTSD and dealing with trauma, and I'm not a trauma expert, but I know there's a lot of people out there right now who could be listening, who are dealing with trauma, trauma in one way or another. And I'd love just to ask your perspective on, you know, coming out of that and going through that as a man who, one, at home feels like he needs to be the leader, needs to be most of the time, like, I need to have my stuff in control. Like, I cannot appear weak. Uh, There's that manly, macho part of it, too, where it's like, I can't. I can't be this person. Like, I, I've gone through some things, different trauma, very different trauma than than you've experienced. Um, but when we work with that, it's really hard to let that through and work through that. So, yeah, would you mind sharing what that what that looks like and speak to anybody who you feel that you know might be listening to this?
1: Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. I think societally, right? There's an expectation on the male or the you know if you're you're the head of the household or if you're the you're the leader. Right, the servant leader of your family. Um, and I think, I think heavy is the head that wears the crown. Right. And I think there's some things that come kind of come along, go along with that. Um, and I think we, we put these sort of expectations on ourselves that at times are very unrealistic, right? There's that, I I'm the, I'm the IT expert of this house. I have zero qualifications to be the <laughs> IT expert of this home, right? I I get on YouTube or I Google something and I just do the best I can. And to them, it doesn't appear that way. Right. I'm just, you know what I mean? Like, and I think as men we're wired to be problem solvers. And sometimes that's yeah. why we struggle to communicate with our spouses and our kids for that matter, because yeah. sometimes they're not looking for their problems to be solved. But, but I think that we, we sort of put this expectation on, on one another and on ourselves that we're supposed to have all the answers all the time. And, and I talk with men all the time who, you know, nobody ever taught them how to change a tire. You know, I'd like to think my dad taught me how to change a tire, but really it was just hold a flashlight and curse at me. Like there wasn't a whole lot of teaching happening per se in those moments. Right. So I I think I think the first thing we all collectively have to kind of have a conversation about is it's number one, it's okay to not be okay, Mm -hmm. And number two, you don't we don't expect anyone in our lives to have all the answers. We don't expect our kids or our spouses to have it all figured out. And we expect them to let us know when they are struggling or when they're having difficulties yet. We don't apply that same template to ourselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? We just assume that if we admitted to them that we were struggling with some things that they would view that as a weakness. Um, and I think in general, you know, I, as I've grown and as I've, I've done more men's work, my perspective on what I view as a powerful man has changed significantly, yeah. right? It's not the biggest guy and it yeah. it's not the loudest guy. It's, Typically the it's the most vulnerable guy, the guy who's willing to be most vulnerable and most honest and most forthcoming about who he is and 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 where he is um in relation to what's going on tends to be the most powerful guy in my eyes. You know, in the you know, in the in the SEAL teams you'd see it, you know, we're constantly being exposed to to weapons, we're constantly being exposed to and there's this sort of expectation there too that you're supposed to be an expert in all these things, right? And and the, the humble warrior is the guy that says, "Hey, man, uh, could you take ten seconds and just show me how this weapon platform works? Because I'm not—I've never worked on this before. I've never shot a Russian disk or a whatever this is." And and the the less vulnerable guys or the less transparent guys just pretend that they know what they're doing, right? Just that fake it till you make it perspective that most of us sort of you know apply because we're afraid we'll be judged for not knowing. And the minute somebody does that. They almost endear themselves to you You're like hey that guy was humble enough to just tell me he didn't know and i'm like you know what i'm really glad you asked that question because to be honest i don't know much about that weapon platform either or i don't know how to change brakes on a mm-hmm. on a volkswagen jetta either but let's find somebody who can teach us both you know and i think i think it's just being more honest right and and not you you, you can be superman i think to your family in other ways right and you don't have to necessarily have it all figured out
0: right And and there's a lot of messaging right now about this hyper masculinity and bravado of having it all figured out and and being the guy who's got it all. And I I love to see also that right now there's this kind of uprising and messaging like you just shared that, you know, when you walk into a room, the biggest, loudest personality in the room isn't always the most confident, most secured, you know, most structured personality in the room. Uh, I've realized this walking to some big rooms, some big rooms with lots of very like, you know, successful, influential, very heart-driven people. And I always can pick out the quiet one. And I'm like, I'm and I always wonder, like, what are they thinking right now? And the one who speaks last, and the one that when they speak, everybody's like, oh, okay. Yeah, there you
1: are. Right. And they speak quietly and in control and they make you lean in. Yeah. You know, the other one when they speak everybody grabs their pen and starts writing. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And in the home, I think I think that's a powerful tool to use in the home. Slow to yeah, react, but- calm to speak. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, I wanted to take a moment and talk about our community of DMD brothers in the DMD mastermind. We are men who help each other to stay focused and intentional in our pursuits of personal, professional, physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual growth. We are a community of men who bring courage, wisdom, and transparency to unfiltered conversations that challenge us to be more impactful men, to be dads making a difference. We do this through our online and in-person events where men come together to speak into each other's lives and then turn around and do the deep work to create change in their families, in their businesses, and in the community around them. If you are wondering if this community might be right for you, you can find more information on the DMD Mastermind, and you can also book a call directly with me at dmdmastermind.com. Now, let's get back to our show.
1: And for me, especially with my kids, I, I finally got to the point where it's not even calmly speaking i'm trying to speak less you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i'm just sure so, uh, you know the, the the famous thing is is the how many times do i have to tell you if i had a dollar for every time my parents told me that or i've used that on my kids and there's no answer to that question like clearly telling them over and over again is not the way and so i right. just finally getting to that place where it doesn't matter what i tell them it only matters what i'm demonstrating it only matters yeah. what you know my wife and i are demonstrating to them. like they, they imitate what they see not you know that not do as I say thing. It doesn't work well.
0: Absolutely. Um, you spoke a bit to, you know, men being able to just make that connection, right. To be authentic. Um, you gave the example of, you know, that guy who asks for help when he needs it. And I know you're passionate about helping men connect in a way that's authentic and meaningful not in a way that is based on, you know, bravado and look at me and look how much money I've made and what I've experienced. And I'll be honest, Bill, there's other guys who've had, you know, combat experience, Navy experience, worked in situations like you did, who would come onto a podcast and would be raw, raw. That's all they wanted. Like, they're still working through that lens, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, I think – I think it's like the, you know, the, the adage of the, you know, the old guys who get together and all they talk about is their old glory days of high school football. Yeah. You know I mean, when I get together with, with guys I served with, obviously there's a kinship and a connection there, but if, if all we're ever going to talk about is stuff we did 15 years ago, you know what I mean? And And I think a lot of that is born and bred in the fact that they have not found another tribe or they haven't connected to something bigger than themselves. And that's, that's really what, what they've lost. That's why a lot of, I think a lot of us are struggling, right? Because you haven't transitioned to, you know, you need to be a servant leader. And I think you need to be, you need to find your purpose. You need to find a new purpose. And, and the one nicety about being in the military is our purposes combined. And it's easy to show up when somebody tells you what color socks to wear and what the next mission is. Mm-hmm. Now that you're on your own, you got to go find your own mission, right? Mm-hmm. It's on me. It's incumbent on me to sort of I, I'm the mission commander now, as opposed to just following orders, okay. This is what we're doing next. So you know, I think I, I think that loss of connection for a lot of us is 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 significant. Yeah.
0: You know, you <laughs> it's
1: know, it's, the, it's the running back who can no longer be in the NFL. It's the same same journey, right? Like so much of your identity is tied up in what you do. That when you don't when you're not able to do that anymore, you don't know who you are. I know yeah. for me that was that was precisely the when I when I really when the house of cards came tumbling down for me, I didn't know who I was. I didn't recognize myself in the mirror. I was 10 years removed from service and any of the healthy habits that I had from the military were gone. The only things I had were the bad habits. You mm-hmm. know, I didn't recognize who I was. I'm like, hey, how did How did I, I always, I equate it to land navigation, right? I'm looking at the map and I don't know where North is. I don't know where I am on the map. I can't orient. I don't, you know, and now all my decisions moving forward are, are sort of skewed because I don't even, you know, I'm, I'm off track. That makes sense.
0: Um, You've you've mentioned some terms on here that, you know, we've heard guys listen to this may have heard from other guests in the past mentioned the word tethered, being tethered to something that's going to pull you along, having direction, you know, being pulled by somebody else who's going to have more or less have your back, right? Accountability and community. And I know that you're passionate about teaching. You have a depth of experience and you've taken that and you've started to create something really cool for men so i want to dive into that you know talk, let's talk about connection and men and your project that you have going right now
1: yeah that i'd love to talk about that that's uh you know it was a uh, it was kind of a two fold thing um we're doing what we we're, we're running what we call man camps mm-hmm. um, and they're four four and a half day sort of immersive experiences where we get together as a group we go out in the woods and we throw axes and we have campfires and we do some ceremonial things and um, we connect There's something about being out in nature, right. That you connect to, you know, you just disc- you unplug and you disconnect from the phone and from Absolutely. where you're at and you get plugged in with other guys. And um, I think the, you know, the creation of, of the concept of it for me was when I was struggling and I was working through that, this is what I went in search of mm. right and 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 I'm very thankful for my struggle right I'm thankful for the things I went through because it, it gave me an opportunity to do things I wouldn't I, w- I wouldn't have been qualified to have the conversations I'm having now with men having not um I wouldn't I wouldn't empathize the same way if I hadn't had the anxiety or the panic attacks or the you know so it kind of gives you an authority that you wouldn't have otherwise had and more than anything this is, Number one, the my struggle led me back to faith, right? Led me to being grounded and and getting baptized, and I'll I'll be eternally thankful for that, um, because that without that strong foundation, you know everything else was was sort of all over the place. Everything I I'd built and, I, and I'd use that analogy earlier about the house of cards tumbling because I wasn't firmly, I didn't have a firm foundation underneath me, but the one of the things the church couldn't give me was, was this, and that's kind of what I went, you know, when I asked and, you know, in doing a lot of work and looking, seeking it out, I started realizing, Hey, there's a, there's a significant issue with men's ministry, you know, men's ministry in most of these places is a pancake breakfast once a month, Mm -hmm. but there was tons of sort of women's, her empowerment things going on. And I was like, Hey, what about, what about us? What about us? and,
0: You know, what it, what it, was the re- when you said that? What about us? What about us? What about the guys? What was the response that you got?
1: Uh, yeah, you know, well, we have a thing, and hey, yeah, we get together the third Thursday of the month at IHOP, and I'm like, yeah, that, that's awesome. But that's, I knew, I was suffering from soul wounds, and I and I knew what I needed, and it wasn't that, and yeah, that also corresponded with the isolation of COVID, right? So okay. so all of us i think collectively were really longing for fellowship in person not via zoom not you know what i mean so i think that was compounding on top of all the other things and i just i just i knew that god had put it on my heart to go hey you're looking for this it didn't exist the onus is on you to create this and if if this is what you need because you feel like you're wounded or you're struggling you're not alone in that so mm-hmm. go and create it and i you know, I pitched it to a couple of other veteran friends, guys I've known for a long time that were having similar struggles. And, you know, you know, they were, they were like, yeah, absolutely. When can we go? Yeah. You know, and, and I, we, we, we did four of them last year. And initially it was going to be like sort of proof of concept. And what we realized quickly is wow, like men, men in general, it wasn't just veterans and it wasn't just uh, middle-aged men because we've had young guys, single guys, older guys, you know, men in general, I think are just, I think it's. I think it's never been a more difficult time to be a man than there is today in society. Mm. I think the things we're being told, the stuff that we're we're seeing in television and movies, the accusations of mansplaining things and toxic masculinity, and all. This, I just, I just think men are, are really hurting. I know our suicide rates are through the roofs. Our abuse of alcohol and um, opioids and things like that are through the roof. I, I, I just think, in general, men are suffering. Agreed. And and I think. You know, you and I are both in a mastermind together. And one of the things that really endeared me to that mastermind, not only was was I looking for fellowship, I was looking for an older adult male role model to pattern for me what being a good man looked like. And I didn't realize how important that
0: was. Right. And I didn't realize
1: that nobody was serving that role in my life.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. You know, I think about why I joined, I think it's the same. I, I do. Uh, and we, we are both equally yoked in the fact that, you know, we, we have a, a faith that drives us, but we uh, have similarities as well. And I love listening to you speak because we have similarities about helping men by one, meeting them where they're at, not telling them, not shooting on them. Like like bringing them along a journey, letting them discover for themselves where they want to be and what they need to be and to be there to scaffold that journey for them. And I love that you use nature because nature is a place that my family and I get grounded in. I will say to my wife, Kim, I need to go for a day. I need to go. to. We have a place nearby Waterton National Park. I need to go climb Bertha Peak. I need to go do something by myself. I need to go ski for a day. I need to do something, you know, Uh, I love that you use nature for that. I'm curious, you know, with these camps that you've run uh, personality wise, I would come into the camp kind of eager, but I think I'd be a little bit more withdrawn and then something would happen that would just make me want to like dive right in. What do you see from guys when they show up to man camp? What what does that look like?
1: Yeah. It's been interesting because we like, we didn't, I'm intentional about not really laying out all of what's going to happen. You know what I mean? I want there to be a little ambiguity there and I want them to be curious, but I also want to set the stage that, Hey, we're not just getting together to drink beer and throw axes. Like you're coming here because we're going to move dirt and we're going to do some work, right? You're going to, the expectation is for you to man up. I want you to go home a better man, right. For, for yourself and for whoever else you owe it to. Um, And I, I knew my suspicion was that other men were hurting and that if I could create the right space, they would come out of their shell and they would share to some extent. That was, mm-hmm. and and I felt like God was saying, hey, that's exactly right. Just go do it. And it took me a little longer to put it into place. And so when I when I got home from the first one, my wife said, you know, how did it go and how do you feel? I said, first off, it felt good to be obedient, right? Like Like I knew I was supposed to have done this and I was probably wrong for not just acting on it. I kind of did what I typically do, which is then run it through a sounding board and a committee and (laughs) other guys. I need to hear it confirmed (laughs) back six times. Um, And and for me that, yeah. And for me that, you know, now looking back like, Hey, that's just not having enough faith, right? That's what that's, that's the definition of faith. But I knew, I knew my suspicions were right. Or I knew God was correct. I knew things were right. When literally in the first night guys set up their tents, we walked up to where we were going to have dinner and all they were supposed to do was go around in the circle and introduce themselves and just do a quick thirty second bio. Yeah. And halfway through the circle, guys were starting to share at levels that were, you know, and,
0: and, yeah. all, and you're like, and oh, hold oh, Hey, that's not yeah. until
1: tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, and I was like, whoa, save some for the sequel, like you know, like yeah. I put the brakes. I'm like, this this wasn't in the script, you know, and and all we had done prior to that was just. All we had done is put the left and right lateral limits up. We had just made it a safe space. We had just said, hey, you know, one, if you're open to the fact that things can be different, mm-hmm. right, then then you're winning the mind and, and you're right, right? Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And we had just said, listen, whatever, whatever happens here is going to stay here. Okay. And What if this is just a weekend where you put away the, the macho stuff and you stop worrying about how people are judging you and you... You know, and you just let us, let people around you for once see the real version of you, the things that you don't show your coworkers or your teammates or, you know, and, and if, and if you do that and trust in the process, I promise what you'll get out of it on the back end um, will be, you know, you'll, you'll struggle to put into words. And, and like I said, I think we did a really good job. The team that I put together of creating that safe space and, you know, the, And there's enough guys now that I I can't talk to a guy or meet a guy that's been through the experience that doesn't want to talk more about it.
0: Yeah. And I didn't want to interrupt you, but as soon as you said safe space, you probably saw me It's like yes, because I think it's important for men to have a safe space where they can open up to each other, but not confusing a safe space for an easy space. Because sometimes like, this is a safe space. Oh, good. This will be a cakewalk. No, but this is a safe space where we're going to dig in. We're going to do the work and we're going to get you to where, you know, on track to where you need to be. No, I appreciate that. But I, And I'm not, I'm not going to get you to expand like how you create this safe space because that's your thing. And, and I, I love it. I just think it's great. Yeah.
1: It, and we've got some really clever ways and things and exercises that we do um and it's almost like sleight of hand you know it's kind of the, yeah. the guys look back now and they're like wow i didn't even realize until we were knee deep in it what we were doing you know like we we just have them you know do some journaling and we have them hey you know write down some what you think were some impactful moments in your life or whatever and then later on they end up presenting those things to the group and they don't realize how how retrospective they've been acting and they don't realize how reflective and they don't they don't realize that You know, they're they're finally making time for themselves to think about who they are and why they are Mm -hmm. and and start wrestling with some of those things and then start sharing them. And you know, if I had you know, almost every single guy at some point during that weekend says, I've never told anyone this, but and that's when you know breakthroughs are coming. That's when you know this guy's gonna go home a lot lighter than he came. You know, this guy's
0: who's man camp for? Like who's man camp for? And who there's sometimes I might ask you. Yeah, who's it for? Who's it not for?
1: Yeah, that, that's a great question. And that's that's been a little bit of the struggle, frankly, from the marketing perspective, right? Because if, you, if you're listening to the marketing geniuses and you listen to the, you know, what you're supposed to do, it's you're supposed to niche down, right? Mm,
0: yeah, yeah. And I
1: and, and I think initially I thought it was going to be veterans, um, because that's you know, obviously that's the language I speak, and that's the community that I have the most access to and I have credibility there. Um mm. but because things were sort of in a COVID lockdown, it was it was just my friends and family in the beginning. You know, it was guys that I knew and had a connection to. And then those guys came, were impacted and came back and brought somebody that was important to them. Um, and and so it it's a tough question to answer. I think if, if you're a man and you're struggling in any way, shape or form, it's absolutely for you. But we've had guys come through that I think if you'd have asked them if they were struggling, they would have said no. And then mm-hmm. when they left, they realized. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, because I think you know, the other thing I think is when we look at successful, whatever our definition is of success, we look at successful people, right? Whether it's wealth, whether it's success on the family front or whether it's, we we tell ourselves a story that they're absolved of any of the problems that we have day to day. Yeah. And I think for most of us, I always think of it as juggling balls. Like if you're doing well at work or you're doing well with the family, there's other balls that are in the air that you don't have your hands on. Right. And, I, and I think it's always just, managing it the best you can, right? And and you always feel like you're struggling in one of those areas. Like, you know, maybe things with your wife are great, but financially things are, are not good. Or, hey, we, we've got debt. Or, you know, hey, my relationship with my oldest son could be better or whatever that is. So, so it's a tough question to answer for who it's for. Um, because honestly, we've had guys from all walks of life come through and they were impacted. Now they're impacted at different levels. Um, mm. But I, I think moving forward, Um, initially I think we're probably going to ditch a little more toward the veterans. And, and when I say veterans, um, not exclusively military veterans, probably military and first responder veterans, because there's a lot of similarity there, right. They, that, that sort of, um, being in service and, you know, typically being exposed to a lot of traumatizing events, right. You kind of the veil you see behind the curtain and you get to see sort of the worst of what society has to offer on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And you're familiar with the fact that people want to end your life on a day-to-day basis. And that it sort of puts you in a little bit of a different perspective. Than yeah.
0: That's, that's intense. Yeah. yeah. That's intense. You know, when that's your filter, <laughs> you know, the people want to end your life on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. That can, that
1: and, and, can, and that skews you, right. That skews yeah. you from, from how you interact with the rest of the world and you, you can't treat people that way and you can't, you know, you, you, our, our brains and our minds are designed to keep us alive and keep us safe. Mm-hmm. And Overriding that mechanism is a difficult thing. Yeah. Right? And so wh- when you see some things and you experience some things like that, you go into, I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep myself safe, right? Yep. And avoid certain situations and circumstances that make me uncomfortable. And the problem is um, a lot of those situations and circumstances are not avoidable, right? Yeah, Social right. settings and there are things that, frankly, are good and healthy things. You just don't have the coping skills or you haven't worked through your stuff yet to be able to put yourself in those situations.
0: Yeah, interesting. And speaking of situations that, you know, push you to be uncomfortable a little bit and, and improve maybe in, in in areas that are of attention to you, uh, what's one area right now that, you know, you as you're embarking on a new mission uh, are excited about growing in or an area that you're focused on right now?
1: Yeah, I think, I think for me, it's, it's, you know, I've bounced around doing a bunch of different things, trying to figure out what this next chapter of my life looked mm-hmm. like. Um, and I think it's, it's being honest with myself. Like I want to, I want to, I want to do this entrepreneurial thing and I want to kind of build something and like having the honest conversation of, of, what is my true zone of excellence what are the gifts or are the talents that God has given me and what am I good at I'm good at serving I'm good at at leading these things I'm good at creating this space and running the camp Maybe I'm not necessarily good at building a business right maybe I'm not necessarily good at at business strategy and you know so for me the struggle is the willingness to give up all of those things and go search for someone who can sort of help us with the the things that we're not good at right so just being honest right and, and just having that conversation with myself of hey like that's not my strong suit i don't have a business degree i don't you know um and and i think a younger version of me would have taken that more as a challenge like well i don't know that so i'm gonna go learn it i'm gonna get good at it and i and i think i did that in in um i i helped start a non-profit that i'm still loosely involved with and all of that was a great I, I, tell, I tell people, I tell them that it was sort of like my MBA, right? that That's how I learned. And what I learned is, you know, I, I have no idea how to produce a podcast. Cool. I'm right. going to learn. That. And once yeah. I learned it, you know what I learned? I don't like producing podcasts. It's not what yeah. I want to do. I'm no, going to yeah. learn how to own the podcast. I don't like editing podcasts. You know what I mean? So I think now being more honest with myself and saying, if I want to do this, I'm going to have to give up something else. What am I willing to give up? right? Is it at the cost of time with my family? Is it at the cost of something else? Um, And am I best suited for that? Or can I just, you know, outsource that to someone else or find, find my who, right? Not my how. Find find somebody else who's passionate about helping men and that's their zone of excellence.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Bill, I appreciate you coming on here and and sharing a bit of your story and what you're working on right now. Uh, If someone wants to connect with you, wants to hear more about and learn more about uh, the man camp and what you've got going where can they do that
1: uh yeah you first off um thanks i appreciate the opportunity um to, sh- to share it um we are uh we were under the guise of the man up project the man up project hmm. and we're now kind of going through a, a rebranding and a re-logoing and and all of what goes with that and now it's uh, because there's a book already and somebody else is already sort of in that space. And again, good lesson learned, right? Do your, do your due diligence before you just launch a, a website. Yeah. Right. Um, but now we're the, the turn two project or turn to project.com and two is T O. Um, and that, that term is a Navy term. Um, you'll, you know, they'll kind of indicate it by turning to um, not a double play in baseball, but yeah, uh, it means get to work. Right. So as a young, as a young sailor, you hear that a lot. Like, hey, turn two. Let's go. If you're loafing and oafing off. And and the reason I, I we chose that term um is the other, the other sort of spin on the word. Um, our philosophy when it comes to helping or growing is we want you to believe that life is happening for you and not to you. Mm. Right. So turning the two to four, right? That turning two. Yeah. Right. Because if you if you know if you want to stay in that victim mindset. It's, it's tough to grow and it's tough to be a better dad or a better husband or a better anything, right? If you believe you're the victim, you know, and I think that's what society expects of us and society rewards us for being the victim. And if, you know, there's some value in being the victim, if you're the victim, you get to always be right, mm. you know? but it doesn't generally come with growth and it doesn't generally come with all the other things that I think we're seeking,
0: you know, as men. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, we'll make sure that, the Turn 2 Project is listed down in the show notes, and people can get in contact with you. Bill, thanks again for taking time. You're uh, going to have to have you on in the future again on, on another episode to dive more into the conversation, how to support men, but I appreciate you, brother.
1: Man, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for what you're doing and, and for all the dads out there, man. You 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 are a dad that's making a difference. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you, brother.
0: Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. I hope you found value in today's show. And if it made a positive impact on you, please share it with someone you know, leave a five-star review, and subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. I'm Cam Hall. Thank you for spending time with me today. And I will see you on the next episode of the DMD podcast.